Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode 59, Marginally Less Awful. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Good afternoon, everybody. Dr. P in the house recording the podcast on The Proofing Box. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I am in Canada (laughs) right now. I'm in Ottawa, which is super fun. I've been at a cannabis meeting up here. Dramatically different conversation about cannabis in Canada than there is in the United States. So so welcome. Thank you for thank you for joining me. Uh, I know I told you all last week uh, when I recorded the podcast I would be traveling and I didn't know when I would be able to do this and I'm on lunch break and so I can do this. So uh, welcome. Uh, If you haven't joined the Proofing Box and are not listening to this live, uh, please join us over the Proofing Box on Facebook. It's, uh, we do lots of good stuff over there and uh, ask questions. As always, I will be having office hours after this presentation. So if you are joining us live, type your questions over in the comments box and I will scroll through them. I pause after I finish recording the podcast and then I will go through questions for office hours. So hit me up with any of your questions around office hours. I'm, I am um, free for a, a chunk of time after uh, I record. So by all means, I'm and um, so, and then I would really love it if somebody wanted to give me a five-star review on whatever you listen to podcasts on, because that stuff makes a super big difference with the uh, with the uh, algorithms and things like that. And so, anyway, so today's topic, and for those of you who those of you who don't know or who are just new listeners to the podcast, because I've got a bunch of new listeners in the past couple of weeks, is that I alternate topics. So I am I'm a life coach. And I work with owner operators of food businesses so that you can create the products that you want and make sure that your businesses are sustainable because you've invested so much in them. And I love to do this work and it is super rewarding to do. And so in order to do that, I teach like a technical topic one week and then I do a life coaching topic uh, on the next week. So last week we, color, we covered the first step of uh, food safety planning, which was forming your food safety team. And uh, next week we will cover the second step. <laughs> and, and this week we are covering a life coaching topic like kind of near and dear to my heart, which is feeling marginally less awful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I know, like, you know, it's, it's interesting when I come into the space of, 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 of food production and cannabis production and, and, you know, like all the different companies that you guys run in my head, there are kind of three different kinds of companies in the food and cannabis space. There are the companies that are going after market share only, okay, these are predominant in the cannabis space. That they're, I mean, I've like been at meetings and they're like, I can't do food safety, I have to go make money and all I need is market share. So there are those companies. There are the companies where the owner operator 
started the company because they want to nourish people. They want to heal people. They want to, they want to create community and connection and, and have like, like these other things sort of driving them. Um, and then finally there is, um, the, the owner operator who is like, I know I need to do the food safety stuff, Dr. P, because I really don't want to lose my business. Now in reality, probably most owner operators are like, have a foot in, in either, in, in like one of all three. Where I am least successful is with the people who are only in the uh, market capture space. Like all they're interested in is market capture. Like I, I, I've, I think looking back on the seven years of my company, never had a successful client who that is their sole, sole or primary focus. And so when we start talking with people who are out there for having a different conversation, for having a conversation about what their business means out in the world and what they are, um, what, how are they, are they are feeding and nourishing and healing their communities? That's a much more interesting conversation to me and I think probably a much more interesting conversation to people who actually pay attention to me. And that's, that's um, super, and that's 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 the way business works, right? People do business with people that they that they know, like and trust. And I've been at this business meeting for the past couple of days, and and with lots of people who run like all different kinds of businesses and things. And it's become super obvious to me about um, this uh, elephant in the room around our production companies and things like that. And we never talk about this in the, we never talk about this in the um, workspace because we don't by and large know how to have the conversations. And so that's what we're gonna have today. We're gonna have a conversation about how to feel marginally less awful. And, you know, I do, you know, I do a lot of this kind of work and, and, in the Strive paradigm, if you've if you've heard me talk about that, if not, it's in it's in previous podcasts. But the Strive paradigm is all about having the hard conversations, asking the tough questions, so that you can solve problems in your in your business. And the E in Strive stands for empowered. Are people empowered in your business to stand in fear and discomfort? And if you want to feel marginally less awful about all the shit about, you know, like, oh my God, the government is coming. <laughs> One of the things that's so nice about having me in your corner, you know, like even, and I promise even just having me in your ears on the podcast is that when you're afraid of, you know, that the government's going to come in and kill your business, like I'm here to help you understand that, that that fear is rational and that fear is is in some places kind of justified. And we have a very hard time having those conversations. And the real way to feel marginally less awful about life at work is to admit what we're afraid of, <laughs> okay? We often spend so much time not admitting what we're afraid of and running away from what we're afraid of that we don't even know what we're running to and all we're doing is sitting there and, and reacting. And I've noticed this in my own business. I mean, guys, I'm on the journey too, right? And it's a journey. It's not a destination, <laughs> no matter what your total revenue goals are. And I was speaking with, um, I was speaking with one of my clients and 
it's just my observations of his business. Um, most of my clients are men. Uh, my observation of his business and the other businesses of the owner operators I work with. And what I notice is, is that most of you guys and the women too are really, really good at setting goals and checking off checklists and, and, um, and, 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 and like making targets and thinking, thinking about those targets and things like that. Um, if you weren't good at checklists, you probably wouldn't make food for a living <laughs> or a little slightly checklist dominated. <laughs> and <clears throat> what I have noticed over probably, I don't know, probably the last nine or 12 months is that we all get caught in what I'm now calling the high achiever goal cycle. And the high achiever goal cycle looks like this. We have a target that we want to get to, be it SQF audited, BRC audited, USDA granted inspection, get our foods on the shelves at Whole Foods, get into distribution or whatever. And we want, we want that. And so we set about the checklists and the, and the, um, and the, and the, and the interim goals and we make them smart goals and we have, we have that whole entire conversation. And most of us are really incredibly good. If you're a pretty high achieving individual, which you probably are if you're the owner operator of a food company, um, are really, really good at meeting all of that stuff and using all of our emotional energy because we get this like, we get a big hit of dopamine when we check off a list. Ask me how I know this, <laughs> okay? And this dopamine, so this chemical signaler in your brain, floods your brain when we actually do the task of like checking off uh, something on a to-do list. And that allows us to move forward and utilize that dopamine in our, uh, for, for our next, next task or our next project. And that works great until something goes wrong. So as we're fond of saying, it works until it doesn't. And we're not getting the outside validation that we get when we check something off a list or we show up to do something or whatever. And then we start judging and blaming people because we are, we are, we're out of emotional energy and we always retreat to the things that we, that we're always used to thinking of. Like it's somebody else's fault. If they had just done this, I wouldn't have reacted like this, all these different things. And we, we keep trying to change the things around us so that we don't change. We, we, so that we don't feel as bad. Okay. And what that snowballs into is, you know, judgment and, and, and blame for other people. But that snowballs, I think if you take a look at it, and I've asked several clients about this and done this own self-reflection work on myself, is that leads to this, this, this feeling of shame and humiliation. And if you're a student of Brené Brown at all, and you all probably know that I am, and I read her books very carefully, you know, avoiding the vulnerability conversation, avoiding the conversations with even in ourselves, not even with like me, <laughs> you don't have to talk to me about it, but talk to yourself about it, about the shame and humiliation and being vulnerable to the shame and the humiliation. But we don't want to do that. That's super uncomfortable. And in order to avoid that conversation about shame and humiliation, we make another goal, okay? And we work on our goals instead of understanding our feelings. And we really work instead of feeling our feelings. And, and 
that's a hard thing to hear from somebody who does food safety for a living. But I say it because it needs saying. I say it because if you are merely willing, all you have to start with is being merely willing to recognize the negative feelings in your life. If you're merely willing to do that, you will be amazed at where that takes your energy level and how you can move forward from a place of who you want to be. Because I promise you, shame and humiliation will not kill you. And I know this because we actually all survived middle school, okay? And I have a middle schooler right now, and I am super confident there are days when he really wishes um, humiliation would kill him. (laughs) But it doesn't. And we learn to live through it. But as children, we learn to live through it by avoiding it. And we build those neural pathways. And that, my friends, is a survival mechanism that our teenagers need because um, some of the shit that they go through at school is really terrible. And for those of you who had bad middle school years, you know exactly what I am talking about. And, And we remember how little the adults in our lives paid attention to us and about how acutely we felt about whoever was tormenting us, how acutely we felt about not meeting expectations. And so we run away from those feelings when we're middle schoolers because it's a survival mechanism, right? And this is, I mean, this is like one of the reasons I love teenagers is because their vulnerability to their own feelings and they're working those things out is so beautiful to me. And it's beautiful to me, even in my clients, um, when we're working it out within the context of getting their sanitation done, because, you know, you, you will find out what, whether or not you're still like hiding in the bathroom, basically, when you're trying to lead a team, like, you know, you really want to, you really want to reveal who you are, be an owner operator of a food business and it will reveal everything to yourself about who you are if you're willing to have that conversation. And it is a beautiful conversation. And I recognize I'm probably alone in that, but, but that's okay. And, and I'm, I'm alone in, in seeing that as a beautiful, com- a beautiful conversation. And that's totally okay, but it's a conversation that I think really needs to be had within the food and cannabis production industries so that we can nourish our populations, so that we can, um, we, can, we can have the businesses that are really, truly meaningful to us and, 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 know, and sleep at night, right? Because that's what a lot of y'all are, 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 are after. And so when you look at that high achiever goal cycle and you say, oh my goodness, you know, I have, I'm, all I'm doing is setting goals so I don't have to pay attention to these feelings of shame and, and, and humiliation, and I don't have to be vulnerable to myself. And that's a hard place to be. And to feel marginally less awful about the whole thing, one of the best things that you can do is know where you stand and stand there. My favorite quote from Daniel Berrigan, the Jesuit priest, and when you know where you stand and stand there and you will, and you just like stop moving backwards uh, from the, feel- the negative feelings that you have by understanding they're not going to kill you and nothing is going wrong, okay? 
So a lot of times people bring me in and they're like, oh, Dr. P is here to save the day. I feel so much better. And they do. And I do their, you know, I mean, I'm cavalry for a lot of people. And that's, that's great. And I love keeping the doors open, right? But I also have, a, like, behind me is a fuck ton of work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that work doesn't go away because I've managed to save a client's business and I've managed to keep the FDA from shutting them down or the USDA from shutting them down or, or the restaurant inspector from closing their doors. There's a ton of work that comes behind me. Like there is a ton of work after you get that hit of dopamine from opening up your business and making your food and, and, and connecting with your community. The ability to do all of that, like to be out there and feeling those good feelings is predicated on your ability to feel the bad ones. <laughs> and the way to feel marginally less awful is to understand that the negative feelings that you have, like nothing is nothing is going wrong at all. And when you can understand that, you will stop running away from them. And it, it's not dramatic. I promise it's not dramatic. Like I believe Brene Brown's research says that you have to be able to tolerate a negative emotion for like 17 seconds before it starts to decrease in like its acuteness <laughs> and like feel so intensely bad after 17 seconds, you will feel less bad. But that will only happen if you actually let yourself feel it. If instead you feel shame, rejection, humiliation, um, you know, any of the things that, that, that we think about, and you run away from it, um, that which you resist persists. And so unless you end up, and unless you come circle back to it at a more appropriate time, which is entirely possible, you know, I mean, like, I'm not recommending that if you're in the middle of a, you know, like a public presentation where you have to be on task and on target and lead a discussion and things like that, that you you know, take a hike and start journaling? No. These are learned and learnable skills in which you can recognize shame and humiliation in the midst of giving a public presentation. Because I know none of y'all have ever felt that before giving a public presentation, right? Drive on and say, huh, look at that. I'm really feeling that. I really, I need to rescue myself so I can be present so I can be present to, to my audience. And I'm sure you guys have gone through that. You've done that. I mean, even in a meeting, you're not doing a public presentation at all, but even in a meeting, you are, um, you are making those sorts of calculations if, so that you can run a meeting well. And that, my friends, is a leadership skill. It is a learned and learnable leadership skill to maybe kind of compartmentalize um, the negative feelings. But we compartmentalize, like, subconsciously, we compartmentalize them and run away from them. And what I am recommending you do as you start this journey is you compartmentalize it, recognize it is there, and when you are in a place where you can, just take it, take it out and take a look at it and actually lean into the feeling and don't be afraid of it. And know that that this is a process that can take time to really figure out and give yourself the grace to um, to be able to, to to stop and that you will 
may, you may approach and run away and approach and run away and approach and run away exactly the same way middle schoolers do with their friends because we're just sort of like recapitulating those relationships, even if it's a relationship with ourselves, until we come to grips with those negative feelings. And then when you come to grips with those negative feelings, what you will be able to do is to decide who you want to be in the situation. And that's the next step of feeling marginally less awful is once you've felt those negative feelings and you're like, okay, who am I going to be? And this is the work that we're doing in the power group in November is our purpose. What is our purpose? Um, there's probably not a question most, most food safety compliance folks ever ask, <laughs> but it's a near and dear one to my heart. But, but when you start running away from and, and reacting to negativity, um, and, and negative thought patterns, you can really start to live your purpose. I was, so for example, I was in with this business meeting with somebody and I said, well, you know, what's the, what's the result you're trying to create with your, with your company? Um, and he, um, he, it's, it's a, it's a um, cannabis product and he's like a safe and efficacious product. And I'm like, dude, a safe and efficacious product is table stakes. Like, you know, like for you guys who are not cannabis producers, like a safe product is table stakes. That is not your customers. People buy solutions to a problem. They don't buy pizza. They don't buy chicken cordon bleu. They don't buy charcuterie. They don't buy fish. They buy a solution to a problem and safety is table stakes. They won't even talk to you if you have not made the case for trust and credibility um, that your product is safe. That is table stakes, okay? And I have a company to help you guys get to those table stakes. But since I know the people who I work the best with are the ones who are willing to take it deeper and who are willing to, to, to really understand where they're going with this business and how they are creating wealth and community, uh, we take it deeper because you meet those table stakes but then you, you go on a journey with your customer about creating even more value, okay? And the journey to even more value you get to go on with your customer by, um, by using the vehicle of your food product or your cannabis product or whatever, that's beautiful. And that's an opportunity for you to build the business that you were meant to build. And that's really amazing. And when we do that, we are creating wealth and community. We are tying, we are tying ourselves together in ways that mean something, in ways that are, are really why most, most of you all started food businesses or started down the road in cannabis. Because that's what we're looking for. We are looking for connection. So step three in feeling marginally less awful is look for the connections and allow yourself to feel connected to other people. And if you have a historical story of not belonging and being lonely, like many of us high achievers have, especially women high achievers, you know, we had to solve all the problems, but when we solved all the problems, we were all by ourselves. Okay. And, but that connection that your product allows you to make is absolutely everything. And the connection that you have with your customers, the, the, the trust and credibility you have created with your customers is the third biggest asset in your business. And 
the one that if you get, if you're going for an exit strategy of a buyout or whatever, that's probably the one that they're going to look at first is, you know, like what's your market penetration, what's your market share and how often are people rebuying from you? Because it doesn't, everybody can sell. All y'all can sell something once to somebody. It's whether or not they purchase again. <laughs> okay. That's the metric, my friends. So, so purchase number two. <laughs> That trust and credibility, uh, when you agree to be vulnerable and go on this journey together to create wealth and community in local and regional economies through food, is, is beautiful. I've been on it for seven years, and I'm so glad that you're on this journey with me. And it's an amazing, amazing journey. And so that, my friends, is how you feel marginally less awful. And when you allow yourself those negative feelings, the good feelings feel so much better. So that's what we have for the podcast today. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. And we will see you again next week. Have a great, great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.